From the pages of the Blizzard, the Football Quarterly, we bring you the Blizzard Podcast, a weekly look back through the Blizzard archives, where we bring you some of our favourite articles to have appeared in the magazine since we began back in 2011. In episode 56, we feature Serie A vs. the Football League by Tom Colomos, first published in issue 20 in March 2016. Attempting to collect a square pass, Glenn Hussain allows the ball to slip momentarily from his control. Too late. As he turns to try to recover his mistake, Kareka is already gliding into the penalty area. Neville Southall saves the Brazilian's low diagonal shot from left to right, but when the great goalkeeper regains his balance, Marco van Basten is closing in. You can guess what happens next. The Dutchman did not build a reputation as one of the most proficient forwards in the world by missing such chances, and he swiftly gives his team the lead. Kareka jogs to congratulate van Basten, who is, unusually, wearing the number 11 shirt. The pair high-five and share a brief embrace. Even football's most diligent historians might find it difficult to fathom how these 13 seconds of action were possible. How were these players on the same pitch at the same time? Van Basten and Carreca were opponents in Italy, at Milan and Napoli respectively, from 1987 until 1993, but never played together. After his move from Fiorentina to Liverpool in 1989, Hussein, a Swede, and Southall, a Welshman, were adversaries on Merseyside until Hussein returned home in 1992. Neither Van Basten nor Carreca played in England, while Southall spent his entire club career in that country, including 17 years with Everton. Also on the pitch that day were Diego Simeone, more of him later, Lota Mateus, John Barnes and Dean Saunders. Gianluigi Lentini, who would become the world's most expensive player when he joined Milan from Torino for £13 million in 1992, came on as a second-half substitute. Halfway to winning his second league title for Arsenal, Lee Dixon was the English team's right back. But this was no charity match, nor a friendly played for dubious benefits in a country with a questionable human rights record. On the 16th of January 1991, before 18,000 at Napoli's San Paolo Stadium, a Serie A Select eleven took on the best of Football League Division 1. Watching the footage, the camera angles take the mind back immediately to the magic nights of the World Cup the previous summer. Indeed, in their red shirts, white shorts and red socks, the Football League side could have passed for an England national side wearing their change kit. The Italian's outfit was rather more garish, resembling an early 1990s Marseille top that had run in the wash. However tasteless the strip, though, theirs were apparently the better footballers, and Van Basten's goal in the 26th minute established the pattern. Two minutes later, Mark Wright, who had played in the stadium for England less than six months earlier in a World Cup quarter-final victory over Cameroon, dawdled on the ball. Once more, Kareka seized on the mistake, and this time beat Southall with his right foot, finding the bottom left corner. Wright's sliding tackle had failed to disturb the Brazilian, and as the ball settled in the net, the centre-half slapped the ground in frustration. The roar was noticeably louder for the second goal than the first, as the Neapolitan crowd enjoyed another chance to celebrate a player they had come to adore. In the second half, the Italians created another goal with a combination that would never be repeated. 
the Genoa fullback Branco, a World Cup winner with Brazil in 1994, found Paolo Di Canio of Juventus, whose career ended without a full cap for Italy. Di Canio released the ball just before Wright's tackle felled him. The pass found Simeone, a young Pisa midfielder spending his first season in European football after leaving Vélez Sarsfield of Argentina. Simeone would not be able to help his new club survive in the top flight, and spent the following campaign in Serie B before joining Sevilla in 1992. The goal was a rare moment of release in a tough season for the future Atletico Madrid coach. Nevertheless, he looked strangely glum after beating David Seaman, Southall's replacement, with a drive that arrowed past the man who was to be a hero at Euro 96 five years later. His haircut, too, was incongruous. A Chris Waddle-worthy mullet, on a man whose playing and coaching style demands a short back and sides. Simeone was no star of Italian football at that time. Had the A-listers, Frank Reichard, Giuseppe Giannini, Roberto Donadoni been available, he would probably not have been chosen. Yet coach Alberto Bigon's squad would have given most teams of the era a serious game. Giovanni Galli, the goalkeeper, won seven trophies with Milan, including two European Cups. Aldair made more than 300 appearances for Roma, helping them to only their third Serie A title in 2001. Alessandro Bianchi, a right-winger for Inter, played nine times for Italy. In his only season in Italian football, Alexei Mikhailichenko was a champion with Sampdoria. Gabriele Pin, a clever midfielder remembered for his time at Parma and Lazio, worked extensively as Cesare Prandelli's assistant, notably with Italy, when they reached the final of Euro 2012. Had he belonged to another generation, Pin's sometime Parma teammate Lorenzo Minotti would have won many more than eight caps in the Azzurri defence. Instead, he fought for a place with Franco Baresi, Alessandro Costacurta and Paolo Maldini, and Alessandro Nesta and Fabio Cannavaro soon swept past him. The English side, managed by Laurie McMenemy, was no less impressive. Hussain, Steve Nicholl, Steve McMahon, Ian Rush and Barnes had won the title with Liverpool the previous season. Dixon, Limpar, Michael Thomas and Paul Davis helped Arsenal succeed them four months later. Steve Ball never reached the top flight with Wolves, but that did not stop him making England's 1990 World Cup squad. Saunders was an improving forward with Derby, who joined Liverpool for £2.9 million five months later. In this game, he hit the post with a second-half header. Trying to dig out information about this match, you regret that there are no more of its type. Naturally, today's schedule makes organisation problematic. But that was also the case a quarter of a century ago. The broadcaster presenting highlights of the game on Italian television talks of an improvised Serie A side. This was not the most powerful eleven available. There was no Maldini nor Baresi, no Roberto Baggio nor Gianluca Viali. English clubs had returned to European competition that season after their competitive ban, imposed after the Heisel Stadium tragedy in 1985, was lifted, so the fixture list was suddenly busier than it had been. It did not prevent the two federations gathering impressive squads. How much more difficult would it be for their counterparts today? Perhaps the power of the top clubs would be a roadblock too imposing to move past. Can we really imagine Manchester City allowing Sergio Aguero to represent the Premier League against another of Europe's strongest divisions? Would Barcelona do the same with Lionel Messi, or Juventus with Paul Pogba? 
consider the following conversation between the DFB and Pep Guardiola. Look, Pep, I know you've got a Champions League semi-final later this month, but we'd really like it if you'd let us have Robert Lewandowski and Philip Lahm for a one-off game against the French League. Pep? Hello? Pep? Clubs kick up enough of a fuss when their footballers have the temerity to play for their countries in qualifying matches. It would be a tough sell to make them change their stance for a one-off game between league representative sides. Staunch Premier League believers offer ever more questionable arguments to prove its quality over that of rival competitions. La Liga, Serie A, the Bundesliga and Ligue 1 all have similar loyalists. Thanks to satellite television and online streaming, the top European leagues are now easy to follow and each has its overseas supporters. But until the best of ours take on the best of theirs, it will be impossible to reach a satisfactory conclusion about which is superior. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see David Silva and Alexis Sanchez combine to create a goal for Harry Kane, or watch Gonzalo Higuain run onto a pass from Claudio Marquisio, hold off Gerard Piquet and shoot past Jan Oblak? Imagine if these moves could happen for real, not just on the latest release for the latest games console. Imagine if they helped dismantle lazy statements about the relative quality of different leagues. The best of ours against the best of theirs, and by the final whistle, we would all have a good idea of which team, and therefore league, was stronger. The calendar is packed enough as it is. What difference would a few more dates make? It is time to revive the interleague representative match. Now, who will volunteer to help me take the argument to the clubs? The full Liga Nazionale squad for that match was Galli, Tafarel, Garcia, Aldair, Branco, Pin, Benedetti, Josic, Minotti, Bianchi, Lentini, Mikhailichenko, Kareka, Mateus, Simeone, Van Basten and Di Canio. The Football League squad comprised Southall, Seaman, Dixon, Nickel, Thomas, Bowen, Wright, Hussein, Curl, Limpar, Saunders, McMahon, Rush, Bull, Davis and Barnes. That was Serie A versus the Football League by Tom Colomos, first published in issue 20 in March 2016. Also in issue 20, James Young on life, love and following Santa Cruz's emotional return from the fourth flight in Brazil. Nick Miller on how, at the height of the troubles, a United Ireland side took on the world champions and nearly won. Alex Stewart speaks to the playwright Patrick Marber about football, drama and his football drama. And our greatest games feature looks back at Motherwell 4, Dundee United 3 in the Scottish Cup final at Hampden Park in May 1991. Issue 20, like all issues of the Blizzard, is available on a pay-what-you-like basis at theblizzard.co.uk. That means that digital downloads for a range of formats can be yours for as little as a penny apiece, while print editions start at just £6 plus postage and packing. Subscription options are available, and you can also find us on the Kindle and Google Play stores. If you have any comments, feedback or suggestion about these podcasts, you can email us, podcast at theblizzard.co.uk, or find us on Twitter at blizzard, B-L-Z-Z-R-D.